I think one of the reasons RPA has grown so fast is it's easy to get started with and, and to get results. Automating a process takes time and thought, and also BPA or BPM or whatever you want to call it, it's been around a lot longer than RPA. Uh, and it's never, it's, it's been more of a slow growth business because it takes a lot of effort and investment from the company to make it work. From Toro Cloud, this is the Coding Over Cocktails podcast, a free pool of thoughts, ideas, and advice from IT experts, innovators, and thought leaders, exploring the world of digital transformation, APIs, microservices, cloud adoption, and more. Welcome to episode 70 of the Coding Over Cocktails podcast. My name is Kevin Montalvo, and joining us is Toro Cloud CEO and founder, David Brown. Good day, David. Hi there, Kevin. All right. On this edition of Coding Over Cocktails, we're going to have another tech smackdown, putting forth two technologies, concepts, or architectural styles in a friendly sparring match. Today, we're debating between RPA versus BPA, robotic process automation versus business process automation. Which approach to automation should we apply to our organizations? Let me introduce our guests. On the RPA corner, we have an advisor and board member to startups. He's the author of Artificial Intelligence Basics, a non-technical introduction, and the Robotic Process Automation Handbook, a guide to implementing RPA systems. He's also a developer of courses for Pluralsight, including UiPath, a big picture. Besides his writings, he has founded several high-tech companies, which include WebIPO, BizEquity, and Hypermart.net, which was sold to Infospace. Joining us today to represent RPA is Tom Towley. Hi, Tom. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks very much for having me. All right. Uh, now on to the other corner, we have a strategic advisor, author, and podcaster on intelligent automation. He has been helping organizations to discover, develop, and deploy automation. He was recently the head of RPA consultancy at Fujitsu America, where he enabled the Fujitsu Digital Workforce offering. He also recently spoke about RPA versus BPA at the Business Process Management Institute. Representing the BPA side is Nandan Molokara. Hi, Nandan. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Uh, hi, David. Hi, Nandan. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Before we begin, we'd like to remind our viewers and listeners that you can dive deep into today's episode by visiting our page, torocloud.com slash podcast, where we'll have a full transcript of this podcast episode, show notes, as well as links to resources to be mentioned in the show. You can also download our iPass Martini for free. Martini is Toro Cloud's integration platform without limits. Take charge of your business using a single solution to manage all of your data across applications, databases, and business processes. Try it out and discover why it's the highest rated iPass on G2. Visit torocloud.com slash martini to learn more. I'd like uh, to start off by doing uh, some some definitions, if you don't mind, because I, I can understand why there's some confusion in, in the marketplace with the difference between BPA and RPA, because we're talking about automation of processes in both cases. So I really want to drive in into uh, what the definition of each is, and then we'll dry, dive into some use cases. Tom, may, maybe you can start us off describing uh, what RPA is, and, and, uh, and then we'll get into some use cases later. Uh, sure. Yeah. In my book, our, the RPA Handbook, I have a section in there, the definition of RPA, and uh I, I quoted different companies, UiPath, Automation Anywhere. They each had different definitions of what they thought RPA was. So there isn't, you know, a clear cut definition of RPA. You know, like a, if you had a relational database, that's pretty clear what a relational database is. 
RPA is, is more of a concept and it has evolved over time. And it's been around from, for about 20 years and it primarily came about from just plain screen, uh, screen scraping. You know, you know, you just take, you know, just kind of stuff is on the screen, take it, cut and paste it, put it somewhere else. And that saves you time that automates a, a task, not really a process, but a task. And, uh, but over the years, especially with companies like UiPath and so forth, They've gotten more sophisticated with it using computer vision and, you know, artificial intelligence and all these other technologies to, to make it more, more uh, powerful. But the idea primarily still is that you have a, you know, the, you might have a, what is known as automation of the interface. So someone spends a lot of their time working with a CRM or ERP, and they're literally just cutting and pasting stuff all day long. Not the best use of your employee. UiPath, you could create a bot and it just does it for you. And then there's other processes that are unattended uh, automation where it happens in the background. So it just kind of does things while you're doing things. You know, as a customer support person is talking, the, the, the RPA can provide you with some information to resolve the, the, the conversation. Or, you know, and another big use case with RPA is just invoicing, just invoices are emailed to the company. You It's scanned. There's a lot of OCR with RPA and figure out, does this invoice look correct? If so, we'll just process and automate it. If not, maybe we need to get someone to sign off on it and so forth. So basically, it's just RPA is software that creates a bot to automate a task, not really a process. And it usually is someone sitting at a desk and making it so they, they don't do tedious and repetitive work. Okay, well, Nandan, if, if RPA is task oriented as opposed to process oriented, maybe you can run us through how a business process automation differs. Yeah, so BPA is more strategic than tactical, right? So like Tom mentioned about automating processes, uh, automating tasks by mimicking actions at a computer, whereas a BPA does end-to-end automation um, by carrying out the multiple steps of the process. And many people call it a long-running process. So a process where you have, let's say, an order to cash, where you have multiple steps, including people, systems, and different automation technologies. The automation technologies is where RPA comes in. So the entire orchestration is probably done by a BPM tool, a BPA tool, and the RPA does parts of it. So how Gartner calls it is that it is the BPA is like run the business process whereas the rpa is like a count the count the business process right so it's yeah so it's more holistic so the bpa is more holistic uh, and and does the end to end process automation and so you know this is usually preceded by and by organizations first analyzing the process and understanding what's to, to be done to automate the an end-to-end process, whereas RPA many times end up being uh, you know tactical and just let me go and address that particular task. Though now uh, everything has uh, everyone is stepping back and looking at the strategic picture and then bringing in the appropriate technology. So what I would also add is that these are both complementary technologies, as you saw. You know the BPM does uh, BPA does the end-to-end uh, and the RPA does the tasks, but both the complementary in working each working together in automating a process. Interesting. So is it fair to say that RPA is a subset of BPA? It could be, yeah. But I also think it, it's it's it could be like your first step in automation is RPA. You know, you start with the task. You start with some simple stuff. And as you build those automation muscles and you get 
you know, understand how automation works within your organization, you get a little bit more ambitious and you think maybe we should automate the whole process and then we need to bring consultants in. And I think one of the reasons RPA has grown so fast is it's easy to get started with and, and to get results. So I can, I can automate someone's desktop work use, using a CRM and get almost immediate results. Automating a process takes time and thought. And so a lot of the time, you know, projects easily just fail if it's not planned correctly. And so BPA or BPM or whatever you want to call it, it's been around a lot longer than RPA. Uh, and it's never, it's, it's been more of a slow growth business because it takes a lot of effort and investment from the company to make it work. But what I'm trying to understand is in, in a business process, you, you have a mod, typically what, when I think of it, I think of a, a flow chart with steps in a flow chart of a business model. With each step in that flow chart is effectively a task in a process. So that's where I say, where can, can RPA be a, a subset of BPA? Because it seems to me like you are calling tasks in a business process. So if in a business process, it requires me to, for example, read and write to a database. Now that that has traditionally been a, a one step in a business workflow or business model, but is that RPA? Or is that or is RPA only when a bot comes involved where you're scanning an invoice or translating or something like that? So how can we differentiate in a step in a business model and a business process between what is an RPA step in and what would just be a regular step in a business process? Yeah, so what I would say is that RPA comes in where traditionally BPA has lagged, right? And so like Tom said, uh, the whole BPA space has been getting a bad rap because it takes a lot of time for you to implement this thing, whereas RPA is a quick win and you can do it, right? Now, the thing with RPA is that it leads with UI integration or, you know, it leads with using the user interface. So which is great to do things quick and also has its downsides because you are using a screen to get across your data and the screen may change, right? Or the application may change or upgrade. And so RPA has its downsides and its upsides too. So wherever RPA is strong, like whether it's using it for a legacy system or where, where it's where there's no API available, RPA is the best fit for automating those things. And mind you, there are so many such situations. And so that's where RPA has been becoming very popular. But, you know, from an API perspective, from involving a human in the loop or from involving other systems, uh, BPA is still good. So what has happened now is that RPA actually made it easier made it more, if I can say, sexy <laughs> to automate. And that has made it possible for the re-emergence of technologies like BPM, which is now being rebranded as IBPMS or Intelligent BPM. And BPO, BPA also has seen as emergence and, you know, uh, vendors have been adding things like low code and also AI and process mining and things like that to make it more useful. So it's become more and more as we proceed, uh, what Gartner calls is hyper automation. We are seeing that all these complementary technologies is actually helping people beyond all these terms, it's BPA, RPA, and, you know, the fight uh, in the turf wars. I think there's a lot of value in automation as a whole, whatever term you call it. And that is that re uh, re uh, resurgence has been dead by RPA, but BPA and BPM has its role. As I said, they're all complementary tools. 
Tom, you mentioned that RPA has been around for 20-odd years with screen scraping and the like. And I guess a lot of us think of it as a fairly modern thing. The hype around it has evolved more recently. What has caused this hyper growth of RPA? It used to be called screen scraping. And what is so very sophisticated about screen scraping? So I think you know, how you describe your category or industry is very important. If you describe it as something that sounds boring and not too interesting and not sexy, you know, people don't want to buy it. So in 2012, the, I don't know, the, the ambassador or the advocate or whatever you want to call it, uh, at Blue Prism said, we need to rebrand the industry. And he came up with RPA, robotic process automation. And everyone thought, that sounds great. Where do I get that? Funny thing is it wasn't robotic because there's no robot and it really wasn't a process because it's more task oriented. So it didn't even really describe what, what it was doing, at least in the early days. But they got it right in the sense that they made something sound really exciting. So I think half of what makes technology <laughs> rise above the crowd and the noise and so forth is just having a good term or, or phrase to, you know, it's a good story. You know, Stephen Jobs, you need a good story to tell. But I think what really has been the key here with RPA and what has made, made it a success is UiPath. And UiPath was a company that was on the verge of bankruptcy in, in 2012. It all kind of happened during that same period of time, 2012. And uh, But what happened was that there's the BPO industry, business process, you know, outsourcing industry, usually it's offshore. You take a lot of this stuff and, and, and you go to low cost areas and, and you do that. And these BPO organizations have. And at, at this time, 2012, these organizations were looking at ways for them to automate their operations, you know, to, to get more margin, more profit. So because it's a really tough business. And uh, they just kind of stumbled upon this UiPath software and screen scraping and realized, I mean, this could be a big help for our, our business. And uh, Daniel Dines gets on an airplane to India and he spends like three or four months there with this client, this BPO client, and they really rework the system in a way that understands the typical corporate tasks that need to be done. And I think a lot of it had to do with that product market fit. You know, just they had a customer, had a pain point, they had software. Initially, it really didn't really work perfectly for it. But by talking to that customer, they, they got closer and closer to that fit. And when the fit happened, I mean, I think in the when they transitioned to more of this RPA way of, of doing things, I think in that first year, revenues went from five million to, to 100 million within a year. So for for UiPath and and the rest is history. I mean, it is a dominant player. So I think a lot of it is is that they were smart to work with some of these BPOs and then eventually consulting firms and understand the the client pain points and develop software that can solve those pain points. And it's it, it's not necessarily the, the, the most sophisticated technology that wins either. You know, these are these simple bots and it's all Windows. I mean, it's, it was all Windows software. It wasn't even in the cloud. You know, people, you know, kept calling UiPath a cloud company, even though it's still using Windows software. So, you know, they they... They realize that a lot of companies have Windows software, Windows, the Windows tech stack. So build it using that and making it so their technology works more efficiently in a more automated fashion. So I think that's, I mean, there's a lot of factors why it became a success and why RPA is a, a high growth industry. But I think a lot of it had to do with that product market fit about 10 years ago. And then UiPath and some of these other companies built on that. How important has machine learning been to RPA? Okay, so machine learning or AI has been a big addition to RPA and automation in general, right? So where machine learning helps is in specific areas, right? Like what 
RPA does and automation in general does is automating work and moving data from one part to another. And most of the data is still still stuck in documents, you know, unstructured data in documents. Now, most of them are digital. They are in PDF formats and things like that. But still to read the data, you need to read the data out of the documents. It's not in like a database. So that's where, let's say, for example, AI ML helps. It can extract the data out of the documents so that the automation can use it. So that's one use of it. The other use of it has been uh, in terms of the computer vision. So the computer vision helps the RPA see the screen better and extract the data from it better. And also chatbots, you know, chatbots use something uh, of AI called natural language processing. So you can understand, supposing you are at a bank and you're, you know, chatting, they want to understand what you're saying. So the natural language processing is done through AI. So all these AI related technologies is helping RPA and automation in general. I'd like to, you mentioned exchange of data between systems. I'd like to dive into that a bit more. So Nandan, in a business process automation where you want to use an RPA process as a task within that larger business process, how are you exchanging data between that task and the rest of the business process? You mentioned, for example, a machine learning algorithm, which would create structured data out of unstructured data and some other system may be dependent or looking for that data. So is is the RPA process exposing that as an API or something like that, that the business process can then leverage? So RPA, what it does is it extracts the data and then it exchanges this data with other applications. Now, I'm thinking about uh, it, it doesn't expose it as an API. Okay, so it basically would hand off the data, supposing uh, the there is a long running process and, you know, you need the data and you need to take the data, pull out the data and put it in, let's say, let's say an AR ERP system. Okay, so now there are multiple ways to do it. The RPA itself can put it in the ERP through screens. Uh, it can also use APIs. And also it can hand it over to a long running process within BP, BPA or BPM, which can take the data and then it in turn calls an API or it, you know, it, it does what it needs to do to call a system like an SAP to put in the data. But where a BPA process comes in handy is where it is long running because it maintains the state. And so you can let's say if you need an approval, it can send it, send for an approval and wait for the approval coming in before it goes to the next step of let's say sending out an email that this this uh, transaction was successful so the the rpa works seamlessly with the bpa process in implementing or in uh, executing or automating an end-to-end process tom is there anything you'd like to add to that yeah i think that he did a really good job explaining that uh, i also think to going back to the ai question you know in data in data too so these erp systems and crms you know they create all these log files different transactions and there's just tons of that's created every day and there's a lot of that within the organization now the interesting thing about data you know there's a huge explosion of data and most organizations get used like a tiny percentage of, of that data. There's so much data created that companies don't even leverage on it. They don't even know how or you know what to make of it. So a lot of data just goes wasted. But with these blog files, you can apply machine learning to that to understand what your current processes are in your organization. And this has led to this, this category called process mining, 
which has grown very strongly over the last 10, 20 years. And there's a lot of open source solutions and some proprietary solutions. And what it does is it maps out kind of different ways your organization operates and how they handle certain workflows. And, and it could find, it'll say, you know, there's bottlenecks here. You, you can reduce the bottlenecks here and make this process quicker. You can, you know, make suggestions. And it's not just a one-time thing. It it helps you over time because companies, processes, and ways of doing things are in evolution. They, they change. And so the process mining, looking at those log files, will take advantage of that and see better ways to, to making your organization faster. So I think that's the other part of RPA, uh, and it's also also BPA, is to, to try to take more and more of this data and understand your current processes and provide recommendations on how to make them better. Yeah, great. Um, I wonder if we can talk, we've talked a lot about RPA. I wonder if we can dive into more of the use cases of BPA because uh, Nandan, you mentioned uh, maintaining state is an important element of a business process automation. And I think that's probably a big differentiator from robotic process automation, task-oriented uh, events. So can you run us through, and you mentioned, for example, approval processes. Can you run us through uh, some use cases, typical use cases for a business process automation? And uh, then maybe we can talk about uh, where uh, RPA might sit in some of those use cases. So BPA is used for multiple automation. Okay. So it's, and there is some overlap of where BPA and RPM is also, uh, RPA is used because, you know, this has been, uh, BPA has been a technology which existed even before RPA, right? And it was taking care of the simple workflow automation earlier. And the whole idea of BPA was to remove people from the process. And that's kind of what RPA is also aiming for. So BPA and RPA overlaps a bit. And in, in the sense of the simple workflow automation, both can do it. Uh, RPA does it through a UI integration, whereas BPA does it mostly with APIs and, you know, automating the workflow with the systems uh, with by invoking the systems. Now, the other place where BPA is involved, which I've been talking about is complex business process automation, which is long running processes that require you to persist the state while you wait for the other task to complete. So this uh, processes usually cut across organization boundaries and usually end-to-end of process. So things like order to cash, procure to pay, these are all end-to-end processes and complex business process art or processes that you know, BPA is used for automation. And the third place where BPA is generally used is for case management. So, you know, case management is where there's a unique situation with complex interactions, people, business, applications, regulations, and things like that. So case management is in another place where BPA is used quite a lot. Uh, for example, in healthcare, you know, to manage uh, manage uh, a certain uh, case, uh, a complete end-to-end case. So, but the whole thing is that it it does more of an end-to-end process automation. Tom, is there anything you want to add to that? Uh, no, I, I think that's a good explanation. But I, I also would say too is that uh, this is especially for RPA, and that is the COVID. The impact of COVID has been significant because companies all of a sudden had their processes come under pressure. You know, they may have had employees that are remote uh, or maybe their employees, you know, um, had to be laid off or what have you. And they had to work it in different, you know, they had to find ways to automate because they just lack the, you know, the people. And we're, you know, here, you know, here in the United States, we're, you know, we have very low unemployment. It's just hard to find, you know, people to hire. 
And so I, I think what's happened is that, you know, automation is filling that that void. Uh, but it was definitely accelerated with COVID. But I do think what's going to happen is that because it happened so quickly and a lot of these companies just rushed to buy and implement this software, uh, now, now that I think they got a lot of spaghetti code and legacy, just technical debt, debt built up in a very short, just like we built up a lot of financial debt in the last couple of years, we built up a lot of technical debt in the past couple of years. And I think the next few years is going to be more about figuring out, okay, now do we, what do we do with this? Because we probably built a little Frankenstein kludge and, you know, we may not be getting the kinds of outcomes we, we should be. So we couldn't, because things are moving so fast, we couldn't think about that in the last few years. But now as, as the things are, as the, the pandemic is fading away, now these companies can do that. So I think that, you know, for consultants or think people in this industry, I think that's going to be another opportunity because I think there's, I think there's, there was a lot of implementations that were not done properly. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting perspective. So that uh, obviously the pandemic accelerated a lot of uh, digital transformation efforts, but you're saying that as a result, we've ended up with a lot of technical debt and there's going to be a lot of cleanup process going on now. Exactly. So does that mean the, that maybe we're not going to be innovating and transforming as much, but perhaps refining our processes and clean, doing some cleanup? I think that that's correct. And I think that's kind of why the stock market or the tech stocks are going down is because companies have bought so much of the software already that, you know, I don't think there's a lot of appetite to buy more of this software because they're, you know, they, they got to figure out what to do with what they already just bought in the past two years. So I think, uh, yeah, in terms of the digital transformation, you know, those, those types of efforts, I think it's probably more about maintenance and reworking and restructuring in the next few years. I'd like to conclude with the uh, common misconception or otherwise that uh, RPA and BPA is there to take people's jobs away from them. So Nandan, you pretty much uh, said the same thing is that the the aim here is is to reduce the the amount of people required (laughs) to run a process. Tom, you had an interesting perspective that actually people weren't available and, you know, there's there's a demand for labour which can't be fulfilled. And so this is filling the gap. So I'd like to conclude with both of your perspectives on is BPA and RPA going to make people redundant? Tom, maybe you can start. Yeah, no, I, I think it depends on what time frame you're looking at. Short term, I don't think so. You know, just again, the next few years will probably, in my opinion, be about cleanup. And that usually requires, you know, a lot of knowledge. And, and it, I don't think AI is at that point where we can have a this digital consultant come in and digital Accenture person come in and figure these things out. You know, I, I don't think that that's going to happen in, in realistically. So I, I don't think automation is going to get rid of people. I think it's going to be recessions or the, the usual suspects that get rid of people. And, and I don't think automation at this point, although I think companies do want to, um, they don't want to say it, but I do think, you know, they, they like to cut costs and over the long term. As it gets tougher, when labor gets more expensive and labor gets harder to find and qualified labor gets harder to find, long-term companies are going to be looking at making more and more investments in automation. And to me, that will impact job opportunities. And I, I think AI will get to the point where it's going to start replacing maybe 10 years from now, I don't know, you know, CPAs or attorneys. I, I, I was at an event over the weekend, one of the first events I've been to since the pandemic. And there's an attorney there. And I said, you know, why can't I just have a piece of software that when I get a contract, I just upload it. And it just tells me the red flags, things I can negotiate, all these things that my attorney would tell me. He goes, oh, no, I don't think you can do, you know. (laughs) And I said, I didn't ask you whether you want it or not. I just, I want it. 
But anyway, obviously you don't want it because you you build you build me lots of money. So uh, I I want it so I don't have to you know I can just pay thirty bucks a month and I I get my my attorney and I you know maybe I can get ninety percent of whatever I need within a second and then you know for the crazy scenarios that I have to think about. I can get an attorney for that. I think that's going to make a huge impact. I don't think it's today. I think it's years down the road, but I do think it'll happen. And it's I think it's going to have a major societal impact. I don't think we're prepared to deal with that. Right. Nandan, what are your thoughts on that matter? Yeah. So I just want to clarify that what I said was that uh, BPS intention was to replace people and that's why it had a bad rap, right? Uh, <laughs> so uh, I think that messaging uh, with BPA, uh, as well as with RP has been wrong. You know, it's uh, that, you know, you replace people. Uh, so what you actually automate with RPA, for example, is tasks. It's not jobs. It's not entire job. Even if it's a process, it's not job. It's so we still need people. Okay. But we let's not sugarcoat it. Uh, it is you know, we can reduce or improve the, we can improve the efficiencies. So over a period of time, as as Tom said, we will see efficiencies where we can have lesser number of people working and it's happening to some extent already. And the, the good thing about that is that the, the jobs that is getting automated are the repetitive rod wrote jobs that people anyway didn't like to do you know and you can see this happening with the great resignation <laughs> people don't want to do this uh, this kind of tasks or jobs which is menial and so actually right now there's a re- there is a shortage of labor in in spite of the automation so what it shows is that we will actually it'll come from both sides you know we will have people not taking up those jobs uh, example the millennials or the new gen z they will not want to do this you know repetitive tasks so they they would like like tom said you know there is efficiency so why would i need a you know a, to pay an attorney full full fee when you know you can do a lot of it through automation so i think it will all come together in a nice manner where you would actually have machines or bots or automation or whatever you may call it doing the work that people don't like or things that bots can do better and there will be jobs which will open up for people which is more aligned to what people can do so i think we were doing a lot of bot work which will be taken off and we will have more of human work going forward Interesting times. Thanks, guys, very much for the debate today. Uh, I'd like to inform our listeners of where they can follow you both on social media and the things you're writing and talking about. Nandan, what are the best channels to follow you? So best place is LinkedIn. That's where I am usually found. I You can reach me over chat, connect with me. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter, though it's not such a big following. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, my first name and last name at Nandan Mulakra. And I do have a blog a website. It's nandan.info. It is N-A-N-D-A-N.info, where you can find all the places where you can connect with me. Right. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Nandan. And Tom, where can now listeners follow you? I'm on Twitter. Now, who knows what will happen to Twitter in the next few months. (laughs) Elon Musk gets there. But my handle is T-T-A-U-L-L-I. And then uh, the same is with my LinkedIn. You can find me there. And then I do have my own website at T-O-M-T-A-U-L-L-I.com. Any of those, uh, at my website, there's a contact form on there and you can just contact me that way and I'll get the message. And and again, that's been great being part of this uh, discussion. It was a lot of fun. Good stuff. Thanks, guys. Uh, I think it was really informative to highlight the differences and synergies between BPA and RBA. Thanks for your time. Thank you, David and Kevin. Thanks. 
Hey listeners, thank you for joining us in this round of cocktails. Please like and subscribe to check out other episodes of this podcast series. We're also available on your favorite podcast platforms, or you can simply listen in at torocloud.com where you'll find full episode transcripts and show notes. On behalf of the team here at Toro Cloud, thank you very much for listening to us today. This has been Kevin Montalbo for Coding Over Cocktails. Cheers! Cheers!